0: This is the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. I'm D. Orlando Ledbetter, the Falcons' beat reporter for the AJC. On the upcoming show, we have a special guest, Ken Segura, newly named AJC sports columnist. He will stop by to discuss the Falcons, a couple of his columns, and what he saw at OTAs and at the minicamp. We'll hear from Coach Arthur Smith, running back Corderell Patterson, and defensive tackle Tyquan Graham. If you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We have a special guest with us today, Ken Segura, AJC columnist, the former Georgia Tech beat writer. He was out at the Falcons' mandatory minicamp for us, along with uh, uh, Gabe Byrne, Sarah Spencer, and Michael Cunningham covering that. Uh, so we wanted to have Ken on the show and introduce him to the uh, listeners here at the Bowtie Chronicles. Ken, say hello to our listeners.
3: Hey, how are you? I'm glad you oh, doing... the, uh, the the illustrious... Uh bow chronicles
0: podcast it's an honor all right well thanks it's great having you and congratulations on uh being named a columnist at the ajc and um you know you're off to a smash and start already so <laughs> wanted to um, discuss with you uh, a couple of columns on the falcons here the one on uh, desmond ritter uh, what are your impressions on um of desmond ritter and what he has to do to be successful with the atlanta falcons Sure.
3: Well, yeah, as as we were just talking a minute ago, it's it's kind of hard to tell a ton from watching, you know, OTA or, or mini camp, just because it's no pads and it's not full speed and, and all those sorts of things. And and it's funny, as Arthur Smith had mentioned, you know, I think to a question one of us asked is that if he wanted to, he can make him look, you know, like an all pro. He can make, you know, just the way you you rig your, the defensive and offensive scripts, he could make it, you know, but to be passes for him. So there's. I guess it's limited what you can see, but I mean, you know, what I saw and what I heard from just talking to people is that, you know, he can make the throws, you know, he's got a, obviously a live arm, he can move around, but also, I you know, what I, what I also saw that I think was important is that really to this point, the things that you want to know about your quarterback, that he's working hard, that he's you, know, he's, you know, he's, he's in the building a lot, that he's developing a connection with, with uh, the guys around him, I think you see and hear all those things. You know, I think, you know, from what I gather, he's he's one of those guys that's in there first and is doing his work, and then, you know, he's developing connection with uh, Dave Ragon, the OC, and and then just watching him, you know, as, as they're going through 7-on-7 or 11-11, you know, even when he wasn't playing, he was talking to Bijan Robinson or Drake London or whomever, just, you know, making sure, did, did you see this or, you know, here's how I want you to run the route or whatever it may have been. So obviously, yeah, so it's June and we're, we're still months away from, from uh preseason and certainly from, you know, the first game of the season. But as far as kind of, you know, the, the things that you would hope to see is at this point, you, I, th- I think you're seeing.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, we all know Desmond went two and two last year as a starter, didn't throw for over a hundred yards in his first game down at new Orleans Uh, The one thing he did do, the takeaway for me, was that he did establish a bond with Drake London. And uh, they were able to connect. And that's when a lot of teams knew that that's the only place he was going with the ball. So, you know, now if you can get him off London and get him to spread the ball around to Bijan, and, you know, uh, he'll have the benefit of Kyle Pitts, we believe. Uh, We haven't seen Kyle Pitts since the injury in November. Uh, didn't come to mandatory minicamp and so forth. So until we see him, we'll we'll wait in reserve. But once he gets back, that adds to the weaponry. But, Ken, another column that you did uh, on uh, running backs coach Michael Petrie was fascinating to me, the research you did on uh, all of the SBS coaches who, you know, haven't made it to the NFL uh, you kind of warn the people in the column like hey I don't advise this but uh <laughs> <laughs> go talk, talk, tell the listeners about how you jumped down that rabbit hole and uh, try to do some some research driven work to help your column out
3: sure sure Michael Petrie um, has an unusual background I think a lot of times coaches in the NFL are former players or, or at least you know kind of were able to get in that pipeline early and and maybe they had or a gaA in the college or, or you know a specialist you know a, quality control in, in, in the NFL and worked their way, rank, their way up the ranks from there. But, you know, at the start of his career after he graduated from UCLA, he wanted to be, he said he wanted to be a high school football coach and a, and a special education teacher. And he went, you know, he, started, he actually got a master's in special education, which obviously is pretty unusual and is, and is obviously an education of, of where his priorities were. But um, he was able to move up a little bit. He got to the FCS level. He was coaching at Montana State no later than – as late as 2017, like it was. And so, yeah, the, the research you're talking about, I, I mean, I, you know, having covered college football for a while, like I know that it, it's hard to make it your way up that, that the ladder. And, and a lot of, there's, you know, it just, it's, it's a funnel where you're going from high school to division, you know, to FCS and then FBS and power conferences. And then, you know, if you're fortunate and really good, you can get to the NFL. And so I looked at, uh, so the big sky conference and FCS conference, There's I think there's maybe like 14 schools in it. It's you know a lot of schools, obviously Montana out west. I I looked at the staffs of of five different schools with us 50 coaches in 2017, and I was trying to figure out you know how unusual is it that Michael Petrie would make it to the NFL as a position coach, you know, from there. And and of the 50, he was the only one who had gone that far. There were a couple who you know who had become power conference, you know, who'd, who'd become position coaches at power conference schools or maybe even a coordinator here and there, but a lot of them were, you know, were continue to be in FCS schools. Some of them were completely out, some were in high schools, and and not to say that they're not good coaches, you know, you know, some of it's just luck and timing, but I mean, it says a lot to, you know, his ability as a coach, and particularly, uh, you know, going back to what I was saying about him being a teacher, I think, you know, I asked him, you know, how do you, what what is your greatest attribute, and he said, that, you know, honestly, I'm a teacher. And so, um, so he clearly, you know he's he's caught the right eyes, and he's perform. He's now in his second NFL job, and and you look at what he's done at previous spots. He actually coached Troy Anderson when he was at uh, Montana State as a freshman, and he he was freshman of the year at Montana State. He actually played two ways. He was a linebacker, running back. And so, you know, it's it's obviously one data point, but the fact that he was able to develop a player into you know a conference freshman of the year says something about him. And so, you look at. You know Bijan Robinson and what can he do? Some of that certainly, some of that certainly is obviously his talent, but some of that is also, you know, can can you get a coach who can help you know a young player learn the offense, learn the terminology, you know, learn all that, and so when he's on the field, he's not having to worry about okay, what's my assignment here, but he can just play, and so you know, it, it's sort of you know, time will tell, but it looks like you know Bijan has somebody that is going to – has a lot of uh, skill at helping young guys, you know, get on the field quickly and perform. So, um, you know, like, as I said, we'll see. But, yeah, it, it looks like it could be a good relationship, uh, Michael Peachtree and B. John Robinson.
0: Yeah, no question about it. Good uh, job there summing up that piece. I enjoyed reading that. I also understand you have a column coming up on the uh, new defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen. Uh, to my knowledge, he hasn't caught a game in the NFL – split some games uh, in the exhibition season with Dennis Allen. So um, could be uh, something to keep an eye on. You do have some coordinators on that side of the ball that have called games before, Frank Bush and Coach Jerry Gray. So I'm um, sure they'll have um, a lot of help and support in getting the uh, defensive game plan together. But um, what can you uh, tell the readers about, uh, about your column on Ryan Nielsen that's coming up? Sure,
3: and again, I guess I'm leaning again on my my background in, in covering colleges, but I, I I think I first probably became aware of his work um, when he was at NC State. He was a position coach, defensive line coach for a group that four guys all got drafted in. I think it was a 16 or a 17 draft, including Bradley Chubb, who was a a top five pick, which you know again speaks to his ability to develop guys. And so, and you know, he certainly you look at what he did in New Orleans. Um, particularly with someone like David Onyemata, who, you know, I hadn't fully realized this. I'm sure your, your listeners know this far better than I do. But, you know, he came to Canada from Nigeria and never played football and was playing at, you know, I forget the name of the school, but playing, you know, in Canada in college. Mm-hmm. So he's learning the game at that level and he's making the jump to the NFL, which, you know, often you hear about this, of you know, this guy is so raw because he's only sort of playing – high school football as a senior. Well, this guy hadn't, you know, played a down of football until he got to college. And so obviously he's got a huge, and it's not like he went to Alabama or, or, you know, Georgia or wherever he was playing in Canada. And so, you know, he, you get a sense of just where he's coming from. And so to for him to go to the Saints and then start working with Ryan Nielsen there and to become, you know, a, a very capable NFL defensive lineman speaks certainly to, to Anumata's own work ethic and drive, but also a little bit, or maybe a lot to, to what Ryan Nielsen can do. And um, one of Ryan Nielsen's mentors, and I spoke with him, his name is Pete Jenkins. And he is someone that's that's highly regarded among coaching circles. I saw a story that referred to him as one of Nick Saban's gurus. And obviously, if if you have that title for someone of, of Nick Saban's stature, I think that speaks well of you. And so it's not just someone who's, you know, someone who happens to know Pete Jenkins, you know, happens to know Ryan Nielsen and, you know, wants to toss around his compliments, but he said of Nielsen that he's as good as anybody he's seen as far as coaching defensive line. And obviously he's a coordinator now, and so he's not the guy who's going to be working directly most often with with the Falcons defensive line, I mean, guys like, you know, Clayes Campbell and, and Grady and, and David Anumata and others. But, but the fact, and then I think it sounds like there's a plan that Arthur Smith has, you know, and I think probably... Ryan Nielsen also realizes this is my strength to keep working with defensive linemen. And as I know you've chronicled many times that uh, Daryl, this has not been a strength for the Falcons. I looked it up. They've, they've been in the <laughs> bottom half of the league in sacks for something like four or five years in a row. I think last year they were last or second to last. And not obviously not that sacks say everything, but they certainly say something. And so to have someone like Ryan Nielsen in in, in practices and meetings able to say, hey, work on this, work on that. And I remember actually Clay cable last week was saying something along those lines that yeah, you know, he we were talking and he showed me something and and it was, you know, he, he was hopeful about it. And so if you have someone as as um, as veteran a player as Clay Campbell who's saying, hey, this guy can help me, you know, what more can potentially he do for younger guys who have a lot more to learn. So uh again, you know, time will tell, but um and as you say, yeah, you know, his first job of calling plays and organizing defenses is, you know, the book remains open, I guess, or will remain to be seen how how effective these are there. But at least as far as the potential for him to to be an assist, you know, an aid to developing the the line, I think it, you know, there's there's some hope there.
0: Yeah, no doubt, uh, Ken. Well, thank you so much. Before we let you go. Want to tell the readers that, you know, you know rookie here to the NFL. <laughs> uh, you covered the Falcons and the NFL back in the Dan Reeves. And uh, you had a little Jim Moore, right? I did,
3: yeah. Yeah, um, that's right. One, yeah, one or two years of Jim Moore, so yeah. So one or two tough. years, yeah, before yeah. you
0: went to the Tech Beat. So he's yeah. an old head. He knows what he's looking at. And uh, before we let you go, any impressions on um what you saw at the OTAs and minicamp what uh, what were your impressions of the Falcons you know uh as a you know the NFL is fresh for you again now
3: right well again I mean it's I guess I, I temper with a couple things one is that it is kind of hard to tell and two is that I think you probably go to any minicamp in the league and they're all gonna be saying the same things about how optimistic they are and this this new coordinator is great and and I'm in the best shape of my life and all those sorts of things. But I mean, but that's all I said, I, you know, you certainly do get a sense that, that, you know, going in the Arthur Smith's third year, they, they've got some things going. They're able to spend a lot more in, with, with, you know, they have more cap money and certainly you get a sense that, and I know you, like I said, I mean, I'm kind of backtracking a little bit. They, you know, you do hear this a lot, but I think there is a, a genuine sense of, of hope or optimism that, that, you know, the players they brought in and that the experience that they're gaining will, will be uh, beneficial come, come this fall. But, uh, as I say, you know, I'm, I'm guessing if we look back to your stories from last year, Daryl, we could probably see some of the same things and different rationales, whatever. But, but yeah, I mean, I think there's at the very least
0: there's a there's a sense
3: that things are, are on the on the up Well,
0: a couple of good things for you: um, no trips to Greenville for you. <laughs> you won't be going to Furman, uh, yeah. and uh, also there won't be any two-day practices where they're hitting. And playing football in practice. So uh, it's going to be a little bit harder to break things down. But uh, no tour days, no trips to Furman. (laughs) uh, And, you know, um, uh, we'll make it go from there. But, Ken, hey, thanks for stopping by the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, Looking forward to your commentary and columns on the Atlanta Falcons. Thanks for stopping by. Thank
3: you, Darrell. I really look forward to working
0: with you. All right. When we come back here, we're going to hear from Arthur Smith, Corderell Patterson, this is the bowtie chronicles from the atlanta journal constitution the atlanta journal constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners if you subscribe today you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents that's all of our sports coverage politics breaking news investigations food and dining and so much more on ajc.com Plus, access our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. So, join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com/podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com/podcast. So you always know what's really going on. All right, here we're going to wrap up some things here from the uh, Falcons' off-season and the OTAs and mini camp the uh, off-season program they're off for the summer now and come back and start practice on july the 27th we wanted to hear from coach arthur smith on the versatility of the offense
1: certainly i think it helps i mean the way we play i mean we're not as we don't stay stationary we're not you know there's a lot of stuff you see pre-snap and you've got to have smart instinctive players to do that and uh i think it makes it hard and some of those is certain things in my past experiences help and then just kind of as we've evolved and you know that may change in two years or whatever you know you hope as you sustain success like we're going to keep our core values but we're always looking to adapt and evolve and even in our short time here we have done that Um, I think there's a lot of conventional wisdom that says oh you're running the football go back and look how we ran the football in Tennessee and how we ran the football last year completely different We we didn't do all the pistol and the and the zone read and some of the stuff we've evolved to personnel is fun and we'll continue to try to stay ahead and, and, and evolve and it'll look different this year and how we deploy our personnel groups and how we want to attack and, You know, it, there's always trends going on how people try to defend you so those are those are the games within the games and uh, we got a lot of smart football players on this team
0: Coach Smith also wanted to discuss Corderell Patterson who was on hand for the mandatory minicamp a Big part of our offense so
1: And whatever room we put them in, I've said this many times. Whether they're in the tight end room, receiver room, I mean, we've got a really versatile group. I think you're seeing a lot of that come out of high school football and and how skilled these players are. Uh, CP's another guy. I mean, he's done a lot of jobs. His role in 21 was very different. The start of 22, and uh, you know, I'm not going to get too specific in it. It'll play itself out. But uh, I'm excited. CP's still here. Looks good. so that's a good problem to have when you got guys that are versatile I mean the way, if you go back and look how he was using in 21, very different and they just bought it, some of those out of necessity and where we were at last year you know, he was more traditionally as a running back so those are good problems to have you know, you get into certain personnel packages um, whether, you know, whether it's him, whether it's Bijan certainly Tyler I mean, John, John can go back there and run the football if we have to so it gives us a lot of flexibility and a lot of different formations and Whatever you want to call the personnel groups, we can play an empty. We can play what looks like 10 personnel. We can play what looks like 22, 21, 12. So that's fun. And uh, he's certainly a valuable uh, person to this program. And we're excited to see P still here.
0: The wide receiver position has been revamped. There's some new people. And one of the gentlemen is Scotty Miller, who came up from Tampa Bay, uh, had a big catch in their Super Bowl season uh, against the Green Bay Packers. Here's what Coach Smith had to say about Scotty Miller.
1: Yeah, everybody's you know everybody's different. So obviously Scotty is an instinctive player. You know he's you know him pretty well. Been in our division. He does. He's fast. It's legit. You can feel it even this time of year when it is a passing camp. I mean he, uh, his speed's real. But you know I think over the years I think he's an instinctive player. I've seen a lot of that. So again he's excited. We got a group of guys in here. Those guys are doing a good job in the receiver room. And I'm excited about training camp as well.
0: Now, you all know that uh, over the offseason, the Falcons spent a lot of money on the defensive side of the ball. Jesse Bates at safety, Daniel Ayamada up up front, Calais Campbell up front, Caden Ellis in the linebacker group. Those are their main ones. Uh, Here's what Coach Arthur Smith had to say about improving the defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's we've invested heavily on that side of the football, you know. It's where you invest, too. You know, you, you look at it, and we've invested some early capital and some offensive players, and then, you know, obviously some of those mid-veterans or you know, we've got some guys like Calais or Bud, um, different parts in their career. Uh, it's important, you know, as you're trying to have a complete team and, and where we're at, and we've got some good guys that are young guys that, need, that will continue to push take another step with T.Q. Graham, uh, Arnold Ibikati, You know, D'Angelo Malone, you know, Zoe, you know, he's been in the league, but Zoe's, you know, still, he's 27 years old. Lorenzo Carter is still prime age, and so we've got a good mix. And then you've got Grady, you've got David, a lot of guys in there. Um, So we've got depth up front, and then linebacker, versatility, you know, where the game's played, you know, we do have, we feel good. I mean, you actually look at us, if you're looking from, like, that coach's view, I mean... It does. I mean, we we look pretty heavy up front, but we've got guys that can run. I mean, Troy's as fast as any running back in this league, give or take a couple guys. That speed's real at that size. And and Caden and Mike Walker's got length, and so it gives you some unique matchups as other teams are trying to deploy, right? They got backs they want to put out in space and run option routes on you and to be able to match that. And then we've got some corners with length, um, you know, what are trying to defend. And so we do. We, We feel good about our depth.
0: Now in the locker room, you gotta have the right mixture of talented young and older players. So here's what Coach Smith had to say about the presence of the veteran players who were added this off Yeah,
1: I give a guy like David Animata. I mean, David's a guy that you really feel the connection him and Grady are making. You know, there's so much that goes on. There's so much pre-snap stuff. So even if you had a guy that was a traditional three or traditional nose, depending on what you're willing to do in the front, people. People move the tight end so much to try to change the strengths on you, so you've really got to be able. You're inside from tackle to tackle, got to play. So there's a lot of communication that goes on. So you you feel that chemistry, and and I always think that leadership needs to be authentic. And a guy like David, I mean, you know where he's at in his career, it's those habits that you respect. Even Jesse, you know everything that you know. Depending on how you talk to him and Jesse was obviously a big free agent target, but those habits are real, and uh, so you you feel their presence. Guys kind of gravitate towards them. They're trying to learn how we operate and their role. Uh, But there's a lot of ways you feel them on a day-to-day, just watching the consistency.
0: All right. Uh, One of the guys who uh, was added also was Bud Dupree from Wilkinson County, played at Kentucky. Hasn't been healthy the last couple years, but if he can put a season together and get to some of that uh, big defensive end money, that's what he's trying to do here. So here's what Coach Smith had to say about Bud Dupree.
1: Bud's a physical football player. I kind of like that. He'll set an edge. Um, you know, a guy wants to be here. He fits our culture. Uh, you know, going, going on the other side, you know, when I've coached against Bud and, and watching some of the things he, he brings to the table, uh, you know, it's another guy I value his experience. Bud's, Bud's a tone setter.
0: All right, we hadn't heard from Corderell Patterson during the off season. He's usually around, you know, we don't bug him because he's so good when he is available. But here's what Corderell had to say about adding Bijan Robinson to the deep running back group. It's
2: good, you know, I talked to Bijan, you know, it's great. he's a great player. I've been watching practice every day, just seeing him, the things he's doing out there, him and Tyler, man. And it's great. It's gonna be a fun year, man. It's gonna be fun. And, you know, I'm glad we got him. You know, he just brings that much to this offense, you know, we went
0: to draft him, we didn't need him at the position, so, you know, we got him, and he, he's gonna do great for us. And Patterson, who's, you know, a funny guy, here's what he had to say about offering uh, any advice to Bijan. It's not much you can tell a guy like that. He's so humble and his religion
2: and faith. is just to the roof, man, and, you know, just a guy like that coming in and not being nervous, you know, and coming in and see all these new faces, but he done he adapted well, you know, he, he done learned the playbook so quick. You know, it took me a while, you know, as a rookie, you know, just trying to learn everything. But it seemed like he came in a couple of days and learned the playbook just that quick. And, you know, as y'all can see, you know, he, he's out there everywhere. You know, it's not one spot he cannot play on this field. So I'm excited to see that man go do everything he's supposed to do.
0: Now, you know, last year, Patterson was more full-time running back. In um, 2022, 2021, he was more uh, gadget guy, lineup wide receiver, a little bit of running back. And, uh, you know, that worked for him. So, we wanted to know how he wants to be used this season. Honestly, I would, I would love to get used like I did in 21. You know, last year, you know,
2: uh, we had an injury at running back, so I had to step up at running back and play a lot of running back. I got hurt. Tyler stepped up, you know, him and Caleb, Avery, and all those guys. So, it's like it's the next man up Talent around here. So, you know, when your numbers call, you just got to go out there and make a
0: play. Patterson's changed. He's, uh, he's moving up in age there. He's 32 now. We want to know if his preparation changes at all. Honestly, nothing
2: different. And you know, I've been doing the same thing for you know a couple years now. I, I just feel like at this at this at this point in my career, I mean, it got me this far. I just just try to continue just doing the
0: same thing and just trying
2: to get be, trying to get better each and every day.
0: And you know, if you uh, you know you're on social media and so forth, if you know that uh, Cordarrelle plays general manager all the time. And he says sign to everybody. <laughs> I think D-Hop's the latest. And, uh, you know, uh, we wanted to know from him how he likes how the team is built. Honestly, man, like I said earlier, you know, watch film, field, you know, just seeing offense and the
2: defense, the way they flying around out there, man, it's, it's good to watch, you know, as an older guy, you sit back, you know, ain't, ain't got to get beat up too many plays, you know, drafted Bijan, you know, got Tyler, you know, got a lot of young guys on the team, everybody just competing, you know, just excited.
0: All right, another player we hadn't heard from uh, since the injury uh, in November, you know, one of my favorites. I did see him at Grady Jarrett's golf event Top Golf. I said, hey man, I know it was long road back. He said, yeah, I said, I'll talk to you about it in July. And uh, Tyquan Graham was available uh, during the rookie, uh, during the mandatory mini camp. And here's what he had to say about mentally getting back on the field.
2: Um, at first, uh, I kind of felt, you know, kind of was missing out, yeah. you know? Uh, I just was inside rehabbing the whole time, you know, while the guys were out here practicing, putting in work. So when I finally got to touch the field, I felt like, you know, it's been a long time coming. Uh, it, might, it may have took me a couple days to get back into the swing all the way, but I definitely feel confident mentally going out, out here on the field and, uh, you know, competing with my teammates.
0: Tyquan is also a student of the game, and uh, he's going to try to learn as much as he can from the veterans. And here's what he said about – Trying to learn things from Bud Dupree.
2: Oh, Bud, just, you know, just from a get-off standpoint, like all the little technique details on the field, as well as just how you carry yourself, you know, in the locker room, how you treat teammates, you know, pretty much everything all around.
0: So, um, you know, uh, just want to leave you all here. I think we, we're going to be down for a couple weeks. We wanted to wrap up the offseason today and wrap up the um, uh, mandatory mini camp. Uh, you know, we're going to probably uh, come back here on July the, the 18th and start getting ready for training camp with our position-by-position position series. So I uh, wanted to let you know that the Falcons did have 10 open dates for practices. They got two other practices, but they're in Miami, so they don't get to count them as part of the open practices. So <laughs> the 10 open practices in Flowery Branch. Or Thursday, get your pen and pencil out or paper and pad or your phone, however you want to write it down. Uh, do want to go over the dates here? Subject to change, but you can uh, register uh, online and uh, get your updates each time. But Thursday, July 27th, 28th, 29th, three days in a row at 930. Then Monday, July 31st, Tuesday, August 1st, Wednesday, August 2nd. 31st practices at 10, Tuesdays at 9.30, Wednesdays at 9.30, then back on Friday, August the 4th at 9.30, Saturday, August the 5th at 9.30, and then joint practices in Miami, August 8th and 9th to be determined on the times, and then August 26th uh, at 2 p.m., and then uh, Sunday, August 27th at 1 p.m. at Flowery Branch for your open practices. The Falcons also um, announced their um, uh, some work they're doing on the facilities out there, uh, building a new weight room. And we don't want to bore you with all that, but uh, they are under construction. You, you know, they were, you know, they're getting farewell on the NFL PA test, but they are working to build a bigger locker room and a bigger weight room out there for the Falcons. And uh, we won't get into the updated depth chart. We had a story on that leading into the uh, rookie mini camp. Uh, or excuse me, the mandatory mini camp. Then they signed a couple tryout guys uh, at the end there. Three and put two, Caleb Williams on IR and uh, cut two other players. Uh, the big news there was that uh, Kyle Pitts MCL, running back Caleb Huntley Achilles. Avery Williams, ACL, and uh, defensive tackle Eddie Goldman were not at the mandatory minicamp, but um, expected back for a training camp, everybody except for Avery Williams. So we have the depth chart online. You can see the 90 players. One note, Breon Borders was suspended for two games for violating the NFL performance-enhancing enhan- substance policy. And uh, uh, so that gives them one spot. But yeah, they had just signed him, and then uh, this had happened. This happened uh, uh, right in the first week of his tenure with the Falcons. Who's been he's been around the league. I don't know if he's gonna help or be a depth guy, but uh, that is he's on the books as a suspended Atlanta Falcon. So with that, hey, we're gonna thank Ken Segura for coming by the the Bowtie Chronicles podcast to give us his insight. Um. Uh, writing his columns and uh, his insight on the Falcons and as he transitions. He's been a long-time beat writer for Georgia Tech. He did a great job on the beat, and he's going to be uh, uh, frequently commenting on the Atlanta Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So thanks to Ken for coming by. And we also heard from Coach Arthur Smith, running back Corderell Patterson, and defensive tackle Tyquan Graham. So with that, we're going to ask you to take care of yourself Don't get in trouble during the downtime. That's what they tell (laughs) us to tell the players that. And we'll be back in the middle of July to pick up the Bowtie Chronicles podcast and get you ready for training camp. Take care and have a great rest of your week.
2: The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluesteak, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song.